How would you like to ramp up your club's game day atmosphere? Big Screen Video is giving 10 lucky sports clubs the chance to win a $10,000 grant towards their own digital scoreboard. Register now at iCanWin.com.au slash BSV. On 11.16 SEM, the award-winning crunch time. Celebrate 50 years of Honda with our limited edition range. Loaded with style and sophistication. Search Honda 50. New ultimate cheesy garlic bread sub from Subway. Garlic bread, triple cheese, melt and fill. And Brian's handling was magnificent and benefiting is Piotrolo. Receives the handball, steadies from 20 metres out and puts it through. And the Hawks are 3-1-19. And the Giants have barely got out of the starters gate. And the snow gets heavier. This is incredible. The crowd is reacting to the weather rather than the football. We are seeing snow at AFL football. Remarkable. Shields gives it out to Henderson. Game number 150. What a start to the second half. 25 seconds it takes. And that's the way to celebrate a milestone game. He loads it up for Luke Bruce. Can't take the mark, he's still might kick a goal. He bends off Hayes. The experience of the goal of Luke Bruce. He's put it through. Little Puyopolo from the pocket. Sneaky little shot. Is a goal to the poppy. And it's over. It is over. And the Giants' season might be two the way it's headed. A unique evening in AFL football. The Giants frozen. The Hawks are trying to keep their season alive. It snowed, and it also delivered a crucial four points for Hawthorne, who are still in the race for September. We're just pleased with the track that we're heading, and hopefully we're showing our supporters back at home that um, there's, there's something to be excited about about the future of this footy club, and yeah, we'll see where it takes us. The mad genius of Alastair Clarkson in all its glory as the Hawks embrace the big chill in the nation's capital to turn in a quite stunning victory and keep the finals fire burning. I think we are embarrassed, let's be honest. Um, it was probably one of our worst losses for a long time. Everyone's going to be disappointed because it's Friday night footy. We let our supporters down here in Canberra. We've let our supporters down that watch on TV tonight. And... Um, and that's disappointing. Our players have got to accept that. I, as the senior coach, and our coaching staff have to accept that. We need to get our method right. We need to get our want right. Um, but if you look at over the last month, we've won three out of the last four. But we're not going to put this under the carpet and say we're, we're accepting it. So us as a club, we've got to respond and respond next Sunday against the Bulldogs. The Giants freeze in every imaginable way in a loss that raises all manner of questions. Captain Phil Davis is our headline guest. In short, I guess I um, won't be playing again this year. The concept of Josh and I being involved in a physical altercation, if it wasn't, you know, it is laughable, but I take it quite personally. I'm really excited about getting back out there and playing for the Essendon Football Club because I uh, haven't had the opportunity to do that as much as I'd like in recent times. I had a coffee with Colin uh, yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we're definitely not going to be catching up with the club this week and saying that I'm requ- requesting the trade. And that's still my one be involved from a coaching perspective. Senior coaching? Uh, nah. It was almost like the hamstring injury that I had was a blessing in disguise for me because I was I was at the end, I almost wanted to, and that's the brutal truth, I, I was I almost wanted to stop playing. The words of the week just gone. So many possibilities remain with three to play both in this season and into the future. It's all up for debates in the crunch. This is the round 21 edition of Crunch Time for Honda. Celebrate 50 years of Honda with our limited edition range, loaded with style and sophistication. Search Honda 50. 
and the new ultimate cheesy garlic bread sub from Subway. Garlic bread, triple, triple cheese, melt and fill. was an unforgettable night in Canberra. If it had been under 12s, the parents would have come together at the end and it would have been really easy to analyse. One team embraced the absurdity of it all and the other shivered and sulked. For what it's worth, I would have been in the shiver and sulked category. And four <laughs> goals only for the Giants and the Hawks. He's quite mad, Alistair Clarkson. He's quite brilliant. Dermot Burton, good morning. Good morning. How are we going? Yeah, it was... I thought it was extraordinary to see... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the whole mood set about getting around uh, your teammates and suggesting, you know what, this is going to be more fun than it will be miserable. And 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 uh, Isaac Smith running around at training close to nude as we've ever se- as we've ever seen on a training track. He had a pair of undies and footy boots on, and that's it. <laughs> and it was three degrees. <laughs> so they they made a they made an occasion a fun outing out of what could have been miserable. And Isaac Smith in the aftermath, when he could barely get the words out, he was so frozen and he spoke, <laughs> he'd never had so much fun in a game. He couldn't feel his fingers and they kept filling it up with Irish uh, with English breakfast tea when he came to the bench. <laughs> it was, it's the most easily analysed game of the year in a peculiar way, David King. Hello. Well, I think the story's the loser, to be honest. And this is a game lost between the ears. And we're talking about round 21. You know, the, the stakes are high now. Um... To be humiliated like that at this stage of the year has alarm bells going off everywhere. How, how can this be the case, really? I mean, we, we're laughing at the genius of Clarkson doing that lap, you know, in a pair of shorts just to show the group that it's just the weather. It's just the temperature. Come with me. Come with me. I, I'm, I'm going to do this with you. I'm not going to rug up. You won't see me wearing six jackets on the bench. You, you, I'm, I'm invested with you. And the players loved it. Clearly, the players loved it. I mean, he wore the, shorts and a shirt through the entire game. Admittedly, he did have the buttoned-up shirt he <laughs> right did. to the top. I reckon he had. A, he might have had some some hand warmers or something down, the, down the, <laughs> in the shorts pockets. But I, I think it was the message. It's just the message, isn't it? That the genius of the, as we keep saying, if you want a great coach, get a weirdo, <laughs> get a weirdo, because they do they think differently. But the story is the loser, Jared. Where to from here? I mean, that's just... And I know they've got a lot of injuries and it's not an excuse at this stage of the year. You've got to get on with your lot. But they were humiliated. They, they didn't want to be there. They got embarrassed at the contest. They tend not to adapt, oh, don't they? They weren't tough enough to them. But, I mean, it was purely about adapt, adaptation last night. I mean, Hawthorne are not a contested team. But, but by virtue of what they signalled... This is going to be wet, this is going to be cold, it's going to be miserable, we're going to embrace it. Suggests that, I don't think they crossed the ball once. I don't think they went into the, tried to cross the ball into the corridor once. It was the, Jared, I agree with you, it's the most basic analytical game of football we've seen. They played straight line football and said, let's fight the fight at the other end of the footy where it drops and kick it forward and fight the fight again. There was no analysis needed. And yet the Giants still tried to pinpoint, still tried to go short, still tried to change it. And Hawthorne just, I mean, they're a slow-moving ball team given the fact that they try and mark the ball uncontested so many times, the Giants, which can work in a lot of circumstances. But when it's desperately wet and cold, it's probably the worst time to, to, to attempt it. 
and Kane Corns rounds out the team today. Kane, welcome. Thank you, Jared. Yeah, I'm a bit with Kingy. I think the big story is uh, the Giants, and we looked at the the coaching structure and the situation of the landscape a couple of weeks ago on this show, and I just just noted that Leon Cameron is out of contract at the end of 2020. I just wonder if the group will now win a flag under Leon Cameron. They've come so close. Probably we all thought they would get really close and at least to a grand final. I just wonder whether the powers that be at the Giants are now starting to think, you know, is it is this the guy to take us forward? Now, he's been humiliated, if you like, twice against Alistair Clarkson this year. And, and you're right, there's been injuries. But there's no way if you line up the talent of those two sides last night and earlier on in the year, what was it, around 10 or 11, that they should be getting beaten the way that they have against a very good coach. So I think there should be some question marks just about Leon, and we love Leon and, and all of that, and he's a great guy, and we get that. But he, the actual coaching now has been shown up twice this year against you know the greatest ever. So let's deep dive on the Giants and we'll do the Hawks after the break. Are there losses that you don't get back from late in a season? So five goals they kicked against Hawthorne at the MCG earlier in the year and four goals last night. Didn't kick a goal after the 22-minute mark of the second quarter. Every way you frame it up, it's a disaster. And they've got... There were a couple of warning signs around last night when Himmelberg and Finlayson were out and then Hopper was out as well. This is a well-worn path for the Giants. Uh, late in a season, badly beaten up, cop this sort of loss. They'll finish the weekend at worst than six, so they haven't lost their position entirely. Mm. Do you get back from a loss like this late? I, I think you can. I think it is rectifiable. But uh, the, they've handed, the Hawthorne have handed the rest of the AFL who are going to play in the finals the blueprint of how to beat them. If you... If, a team wants to move the ball slowly until a launch area, you know, just forward to the centre. They average 96 uncontested marks per game. Hawthorne in the first half were in front and had the lowest uncontested mark of all time since we've been taking. They had nine uncontested marks at half time. <laughs> nine. How can, how can you say you're getting your share of footy if you've had nine uncontested marks? It was just hoik it down the line. And, and the mindset was... It's not about personnel. It's about effort. And I don't know if if the Giants uh, realise that. The blueprint is you stop them marching the ball forward in a short series of, of, of short kicks that are easily marked. And if you can grid out, be brave enough to press up high enough with the risk of, all right, they might get us for two or three goals out the back on a dry day, we can live with that. We just don't want them marching the ball to the centre of the ground where they can launch from. So a lot of people say, oh, they're scoring goals out the back. But if you can live with two or three, that's the blueprint against the Giants. And and it's almost like their personality-based, their, their talent personality-based driven game, if it doesn't fight through that, they don't fight through it. So they'd shed some of that during this year, but they regressed, Kane, it... There's an element of tipping point about last night, but that's up to them. Yeah, well, I, I think they can bounce back. You know, like clearly now I think they, they can't win the premiership, which is which is significant if you're saying that. Uh, they 
beat Port Adelaide by a point. They probably should have lost last week against Sydney, if not for maybe an iffy umpiring decision and then last night. So Leon Cameron thinks, said they won three out of the last four. Their form line isn't great. And so it's an extended run. And, you know, when they did look, when they get going, we know that their three forwards are as good as any in the competition. But there's too many occasions where teams have come against them and made them look silly. And that was the case last night. That, right from the start, I think, you know, it was alarming. And you thought, oh, they're going to get back into it at some stage. But they, they never looked like it from minute one. So that would be the most concerning. And, and when a coach is calling a performance embarrassing in round 21 and you're a finals contender, I think that's significant and his language after the game as well. I'm not so much worried about the losing because we keep talking about... And don't join in here. You get to the finals, you need to have your game intact. You need to be playing the way you want to play. Now, you just touched on that they had things taken off. They were disarmed in a lot of ways last night. You can lose and still play the way you want to play and just be beaten by a better team on the night or things can happen. Richmond lost last... In 2017, Richmond went down to Geelong in round 21, I think it was. Round 20 or 21. Yeah, they lost, but they, they believed lost. that they, got, they... They lost by a couple of goals, but really it was a, it was like a six-goal loss. Remember the, remember the game? And Damien Harbick said, I've got to make change. And they, they went away from two ruckmen and put Grigg into the ruck. They put Graham into the team for an extra a bit of extra run. They tinkered with the forward line, went a bit smaller... And just said, this is us. But they came away from that game, as you say, they tinkered, came away thinking, we aren't that far off. Mm. A couple of yeah. uh, manipulations. They thought they did pretty well that game. They they lost, but they thought they pressed until three-quarter time. They knew they had to change. Mm. And I just wonder whether Leon's leaving uh, Canberra today thinking, you know what, if we keep doing what we're doing right now, we know it's not good enough. We know we've got injuries. Everyone's got injuries. We need to find something. We need to we need to find a spark in this group. Are we too tall? Are the you know are we going in? Why are we going in with two? Should we be should we be looking at uh, changing the mix in the forward line? Should we be? Are we too tall down there? Um, do we have too many players who just want to go one way? Can we carry? Can we carry guys who won't help us win the ball back? I mean, on intercept, they're a poor football team. They don't play the game on turnover. They're the best stoppage team in the competition. And they're geared that way a little bit. So so that's a great asset to have when you need it. But you can't rely on it. You can't bank on it. So I think he leaves today saying, OK, something's got to change. We don't know whether that we're going to see that in the next couple of weeks or not. But if he was in any doubt, last night says, what we're doing is not taking us to the promised land. And then do, you, do you agree with that? Do you, do you agree with that? Do you think that he, he has to make change now? Um, I still think a lot... Yes, yes. You can't roll up with that. I still think a lot of... Because of the way their list is built, they reach a tipping point with personnel. Mm. And I reckon we see it twice a season. You go, they've they got too many out here. Um, and it's probably in the, uh, in the, in the depth of the list. The problem they got with the depth as well, Jared, just to not to cut you off, but the young kids they're bringing in, they've missed football as well, so that's a bad mix. You, know, you, you bring in guys that have had that have had three weeks at the reserves level, which is clearly an inferior. It's a mm. so it's such an inferior competition. It's almost like a, a glorified training session, really. So they're they're playing three games and then being rushed back into AFL level, and they're not they're not there yet. Some of these guys, so they're. It's not the perfect preparation for the guys coming in. We all see the names and where they were drafted and think, oh, he should be able to come in and be a star to them. They are stars. 
But they're not they're not getting a great run at it either. Mm. So I feel for Leon with that. You mentioned personnel. When you go through last night, the out I mean the Himmelberg's a very good player. Jeremy Finlayson can kick goals. He's beautifully skilled. Himmelberg hurt. In those conditions, I can't see Jeremy Finlayson doing much damage at all. Hopper was an enormous out for them. Yeah, he was. And when, when you've got you've got four blokes in the centre square and at any one time you've got a combination of, say, Bonner, Tarrant... Um, Taranto. And Taranto. Yeah. You've got about... 90 games experience through them. The three of them up against yeah. Amira. Um, Warple. I know Warple's only played 30-odd, Wing- but he, he may as well have played 120. Wingard in there a fair bit. Wingard played the best game Shield. he's played at the club. Shields, yeah. Uh, you're right. I mean, Ward went down the start of the year. They've lost Cornelio. Hopper, Hopper is that style. Kelly's player. out. DeBoer yeah. hurt as well, I think. DeBoer's another. I mean, they're just... But we can say this about any team, yeah. really. And, and the discussion really is now has to shift quickly, in my opinion, from what they served up last night to what do we do? Mm. Because there's no point talking about, you know, it's spilt milk now. It's it scored 29 points is a disaster. So they've got to get themselves going. And how, how they do that is the question. Cornsy, they, ne- they need to find a way to, to improve without the football. Yeah, well, that's fair. Yeah. yeah, and but you, you spend a whole preseason doing that. I mean, that that's what preseasons are for. That there's very little time that they can train now. Um, I mean, AFL club they might train uh, 90 minutes a week, maybe at this stage of the year. And so, how do you how do you do that? Uh, you get in, in the classroom. I'm not sure. How, how do you improve? Because you're right, they kicked what two goals off turnover. They only kicked four, and the Hawthorne kicked 11. So they need to embrace that side of it. But that's what preseasons are for. That's where game plans are built. So to rebuild. That it's not going to be through personnel. Yeah, you might get the ball back. Kelly will come back. Canelio's not coming back. Ward's not coming back. So, what do you do? Does he sit them down in the classroom and drill really down hard and and really mark these guys hard? He has to on on what they are doing off the ball because as you said, they're not going to be able to rely on stoppage to to win them a flag. It, it just won't happen. So, this is where the genuine art of coaching comes in. And does he have anyone that he can uh, that can mentor him? as to what to do now because it's not going to be done on the training track. Phil Davis will join us shortly and we'll talk about the Stephen Canelio scenario before the program is done as well. After the break, the Hawthorne side of the equation. It is a morning to take your calls. I feel sure of that. On the Star 21 open line, 1300 736 736 Start 21, your world, endless possibilities, 1300 736 736. Just the the pure simplicity of it and a nod to Alistair Clarkson. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Join us on Crunch Time for Honda, introducing Honda's 50-year limited edition range. Search Honda 50 and for Sublife at Subway, try the new ultimate cheesy garlic bread sub from Subway. On 1116 SEN, the award-winning Crunch Time. Celebrate 50 years of Honda with our limited edition range, loaded with style and sophistication. Search Honda 50. New ultimate cheesy garlic bread sub from Subway. Garlic bread, triple cheese, melt and fill. It was billed as the night that Hawthorne would fall out of contention and could start thinking about farewell games and the like. Instead, they relit the fire and they do give themselves a hope. They've got their ninth win. They play Gold Coast in Melbourne next weekend. They might take it all the way to the final round to see if they could sneak in. Dermot Burton, when you take the overall on Hawthorne... It was a night in isolation. Was there any forecasting in it? 
or was that just a night to demonstrate still the connection that uh, a coach has with his player group? Oh, I think the latter. Uh, I think... I'm kind of hoping... You're talking now that you're bringing finals into the equation. I'm, I'm kind of hoping Port get there. I think they're the only team that in week one of final series could create an upset from eighth position. The other uh, aspirants for the eighth position, Adelaide, Hawthorne... Uh, Port Adelaide, we mentioned, uh, Western Doggies and Fremantle. Maybe Western Bulldogs, if they can get there. But I think Port are probably the logical ones to suggest that could make a uh, a, a problem for somebody else. Um, but it, it, it was a night where I looked at it, some of the, you know, we had all this talk and all this um, banter about the age of the list. Mm. And I actually thought, the older blokes performed remarkably well and showed that there's still life in them, not just so life in the old dog, but who who knows? We've seen the, the increasing ages of footballers reaching milestones over the last few decades. Every decade that we arrive into, a new one, we get more and more players playing longer in their career. Perhaps... 32 is the new 29. I don't know, but it, it could be that way. So Isaac Smith's run last night was... He looked like a 23-year-old. It was extraordinary. Yeah. So, Kane, does it do... Does it reframe any of last week's conversation? Or, as I say, is, is last night an isolated event? Probably isolated. Um, I think uh, it will give Clarko some clout if he wants to go to the trade period, probably, which, which he probably will do we think and he, he doesn't want to bottom out so you can understand that but he will probably go to the board and say well look this is the way we performed and if we just fill in a few more puzzles then we can compete for top four again next year so that that's going to be a, a tough conversation do they hold on to that first pick that they've got in the draft but for me it was more more isolation and, and highlighted the genius of it it actually took me back to it it was at our club for a year Clark, in 2003 and we went to we bombed out in the finals in one, two, and three, and we, we were trying to think, well, how can we go to the next level? And Clarko designed a trip to New Zealand, and we actually climbed this big peak, and it was freezing cold, and got to the top, and the boys had basically had enough. And Clarko just stripped off, it was freezing cold, stripped off to his jocks, and jumped in this river that was there, it was freezing cold, <laughs> and it just gave the boys such a lift, like when you were so flat. And to see him running around the oval with his shirt off just brought me back so vividly to that time in New Zealand. And then, you know, we won the flag uh, the year after. And a lot of players that I played with said, well, that was the catalyst, that camp to New Zealand. So I just I just loved it. There's still room for characters in this game. And he is as intense and as fiery as he is, one of the great characters we've ever seen. All right, we've got a full board of calls because it is a night that just demands discussion. Star 21, your world, endless possibilities, one three hundred star 21 one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Dermot Burton, David King, Cairns, and Jared Waitley with you. Phil Davis is going to join us shortly. Peter's on the road. Hello, Pete. Hey, good day, guys. Uh, brilliant show. A brilliant show. Uh, three questions and all for Derm, but feel free to chip in. So, Derm, first, uh, why the inconsistency at Hawthorne this year, given the ability to manufacture something like last night, one. Two, by the best coaches are crazy, do you mean eccentric? <laughs> and three, specifically, what will your strategy be as you lead the Vic team from the coaching box 
Uh, if he gets down to his undies, we're all turning off. <laughs> the inconsistency is born out of the fact that Hawthorne have been pretty good all year, except in the forward half of the ground. Their conversion of to scores as to the ball coming in has been pretty low, and that's because their number one key forward uh, is a is a desperately young man still. He's got a lot of talent. We love the look of him, um, Mitch Lewis. Uh, Gunston hasn't had a, a tremendously good year. Hawthorne are reliant, have been reliant so long, Peter, on getting the ball forward and in one out of every two occasions saying, right, nothing is truly on offer, so we kick it to the hot zone. And underneath we have a rampant... Um, Paul Puopolo with power and and we have the, the, the skill and grace of Luke Bruce to lose a tackler and we just have the magician Cyril Rioli and they made something happen out of those long bombs that go inside forward 50. Rioli's no longer there. Bruce is fighting a lone hand so you can try and lock him down and Puopolo's game, apart from last night, has dwindled in, in output this season. So that's where the inconsistency comes. I, I honestly believe they've they've lost games convincingly where they've convincingly won the inside 50 count. You add, say, three wins from those types of games and they're entrenched in the eight right now. So to me, that's where the inconsistency comes from. Crazy. One man's weird is another man's eccentric. Yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah, absolutely. Only, well it's put. only in definition. It's only crazy. In the wording. Yeah, I love the word crazy. I love the word eccentric. Uh, I mean, even the old staid coaches, like, and I will hark back once again, Pete, to Alan Jeans. He had a touch of the weirds about him as well. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. You know, these guys, they had panache and they had a little bit of dare and flair about them, even though they were viewed as stick-in-the-mud personality. You know, they just had that little bit of edginess to them. And the final one... Uh, Your approach? Uh, my approach. Uh, I think it's a fun night. I can't see myself stripping off. I might try and tell some of my charges just how good I was. <laughs> <laughs> you just should channel your best. That should last about 14 seconds. Give me your best Alan Jeans. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It should be a too. fun night, Pete. Yeah. We, we're going to have fun with it. Good yeah. on you, Pete. Mark's with us in Greenvale. Welcome, Mark. Good morning, guys. Look, I'm a Swan supporter, and I watched GWS play last week, and I cannot understand what their game plan is. It's almost, from the way I see it, they almost want to play bruise-free football. And last night, there was no free players of GWS in their back line. It was always like a race to get to the ball. It seems like Hawthorne outnumbered them in every position in the ground. When does the heat come for the coach? Because to me, it looked like that the players didn't want to play for the coach and they weren't prepared to go and get the hard ball. This goes a bit to your point, Kane, at the start, mm. is that ultimately one day that question has to be asked with a contract that ends at the end of 2020. And we're seeing a lot of uh, clubs 
not have that happen where a coach does enter the final year of their contract being the last, Jared. So it feels like, you know, Ross Lyon and Leon Cameron are going to do that. But they, they did struggle. They really struggled to move the ball against Hawthorne last night. Now, not the only side this year. I remember, you know, Port Adelaide playing against Hawthorne in Tassie earlier on in the year. They had no idea how to exit the ball out of their defensive 50. But you've got to ask the question, why Why would they think Mummy and, and Simpson could play as forwards in, in those conditions last night? So structurally, there's some issues there. What other options were there, though, well, well, Go that, small. That, uh, do you need with, to play two those, rucks in, that, in those conditions? They did against... I think they had a feel-good situation about what happened at, in a night game against Collingwood three weeks ago where Mumford played Smash forward him. and it surprised him. And he did smash around a bit. A couple of short handballs when he was able to get the ball. Wasn't completely... points in the first quarter. That yeah, he wasn't, he, wasn't, he wasn't creative, but his presence was, was enormous there. I think they had that feel-good uh, notion that we can reproduce this again on, a, on another cold and wet night. But... Uh, <laughs> Second bite at the apple didn't happen. Mm. I think the biggest decision, and we talked about this before, Jared, off air, is, is at the end of the season that they've got to find a way to not be going into a finals campaign with the ruck setup they've got now. A guy they've dragged back out of retirement and a guy that's, you know, had a great patch last year, Dawson Simpson, but he's not, he's, to me, I look at that and I think he's not a premiership ruckman. So they've got to find a way. Now, they've got Todd Goldstein sitting at the Kangaroos that's gettable. Now, you've got to work out who's gettable, Jared. Right, like gettable. Said, Sorry? Riders gettable. Riders gettable. Yeah. So, I mean, they've got salary cap problems. They've got to squeeze on. I don't know what's happening with Canelio. Do they go to the Kangaroos and say, we want Higgins and we want Goldstein? You pay them. You've got $2 million in your salary cap that's vacant at the moment. You sign them for three years and trade them with us and we'll upsize the trade on the way back. So similar to the Brett DeLidio situation. They got a first rounder, Richmond, for Brett DeLidio, where logically he was a second rounder, but Richmond paid the wage. The Kangaroos could v- virtually turn some cash into elevated picks or more picks get their five picks in the first 25 over that two-year block you're chasing, Jared. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, is it is it a disaster in the short term for the Kangas? Yes. Goldstein's a star, and Sean Higgins has been their best player the last couple of years. But you've got to do something from a kangaroo's point of view to shake the list and to get the rebuild sort of toppling over the, the other side. And GWS cannot sit on their hands and expect this group to just get it done next year. Do you think Shane and, and Dawson Simpson will both be playing for GWS next year? Um, well, maybe. Yeah, potentially, yes. I mean, that that was the plan at the start of this year, wasn't it? I would have that thought that plan. they brought Shane back to one play year. in a premiership. Just for one year. I, I reckon that, well, he retired because he was sore. And I reckon he's been able to come good. And I reckon he's thrown all his eggs in the one basket and said, I will sh- battle my way through this season. I'm sore as... But I'm going to get through there because I reckon we can win a premiership. But picks are not a problem for them. They've got they've got heaps of draft picks and good quality picks. If Canelio goes, they get another couple of first rounders coming in. They just need to maximise their time now. They can't wait. Let's get through these next three. Robbie's in Williams Landing. Robbie, welcome. Oh, good morning, uh, gents. Absolutely love the show. Couldn't help but um, but thinking as a Carlton supporter watching last night's game, what the influence would be on Stephen Kinelio's decision makings. Want to ask the, throw that out to the panel? Oh, that, that's a part of his question: Is are we on the brink of winning a flag? I suppose. Um, there's a I, judgment call in yeah, there. I, I think I, quick, too quickly in the media we blame the coach and we say they can and can't win the flag. I mean, those those two things to me. 
Yeah, you might be right. You know, you might be right. You might be proven right. The, the, the discussion about who's winning the flag right now, to me, is crazy. Six good weeks and you win it. Six good weeks and you win it. Jared, four good weeks, the dogs won it. Mm. Um, yeah, they hadn't started their good run. No, they got smacked by Frio last <laughs> yeah. round of the year. So yeah. so let's not write teams off just shit. Let's just work out where they need to improve and what, what's what's failing. Mick's in the Blue Mountains. Hello, Mick. Good morning. Uh, thanks for taking my call, guys. Um, listen, just in relation to GWS last night, um, one of the things I thought, I'm wondering if Brett Delidio is not going to become the big story out of this because I know that um, Cameron said that he expects him to play, but I thought it was ludicrous of them to play him in those conditions when he has a history of soft tissue injuries in such cold conditions. And, of course, he comes off with a calf injury. And I wonder if it's the last we've seen of him. Just wanted your thoughts on it. Well, any soft tissue injury for Brett's a big deal. Yes. He got back, so round 20 last year, he... Got a soft Came issue back quickly, back didn't he? Yeah, finals. yeah. So that that would be the um, just the pause on rushing to the end with him. He, he didn't look. Put it this way: at this stage of his career, if it was something that was significant, you could see him on the bench, and you'd you'd even see a coach coming to him and put his hand on his shoulder. You'd you'd see teammates, you know, responding to him. It looked like he's got he he was the type of player that went. Is there a feeling in that calf? Is it? No? Yeah. Uh, you know what? Let's take the cautious approach. But uh, to your point, Mick, about, hey, we just can't afford to play him. So you, you're suggesting they should have withdrawn him on the day of the match because cause of his history. It's cold. <laughs> yeah, I don't know you can do no, that, no. especially <laughs> with a team that that is so des- was desperately young last night. All right, let's get uh, Scott in Torquay. Welcome, Scott. G'day, boys. How you going? Um, Good, Scott. Watched the, watched the game as a neutral last night, and this question is probably pertinent, especially with uh, you got Phil Davis coming up because he seemed to be on the, the end of the mall. Was there hands in the back or in the marking contest? Is that just going out the window? I know there was one time there he just stopped and shrugged his shoulders at the umpire. Didn't know what was going on. They seem to be getting pushed out way too early. Had had no chance anymore. Well, I, you, I you are allowed is... to put your. You, they changed the interpretation, didn't they? You are. It's gone from no hands in the back at all to being able to sort of rest your hands on there. I, I didn't see too many last night or an issue. But it's it's a it's a guess. The ball goes in and you see hands in the back. You see a player move forward. How far do they have to move forward uh, to to be in in what what do you call it? Um, Making a situation forceful contact, forceful, forward, yeah. or you have to move. You can't hold your. You go from yeah, holding yeah. ground to creating space. Mm. Well, what's that? What's the line? Is it ten centimeters, <laughs> twenty, thirty? Because yeah. every week is a different interpretation. I think it's the worst rule that we've changed. I, I agree with that. I mean, if you are going to keep the likes of somebody, uh, a Tony Lockett, from coming back, I mean, you got to you got to push with the ferocity of bench pressing three hundred pounds. Yeah. Whereas if 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 some if Luke Bruce is in front of you. You probably push with 100-pound force. He goes flat on his face. Free kick. Free kick. So it's dependent on the personnel in front of you. And I don't think it's a great rule change. There's no clarity in it. Uh, Dustin Martin's been ruled out of tomorrow's match against Carlton with soreness. Jack Ross is going to take his place in the side. Uh, we'll continue through the uh, the topics of this weekend. And Phil Davis, the co-captain of the Giants, is going to join us shortly. This is Ra- uh, Russell Barwicks from uh, Unibet. Get footy fill-ups every week at unibet.com.au. Russ, welcome. 
Thank you, Jared, and good day to everyone listening. Russ. And it's a big day all round for the uh, Unibet team because we've got plenty of footy on both NRL, AFL, and the rugby later tonight. But first up, let's have a look at the uh, Melbourne Collingwood game. The pie is a dollar forty-eight. Been a bit of support for the Demons, two dollars sixty-five, and the line now trimmed down to twelve and a half. We expect a low-scoring game, and that's the reason why. Port Adelaide, a dollar thirty-six. Sydney, about three dollars thirty-five. Eighteen and a half the line in that one. The power. Off the back of last week, expected to go again and too strong. Brisbane, well, they're a dollar and five into a dollar and four. I don't know how that happens or how much it takes, but fifty-six and a half is the line, and you can write your own tickets about the Gold Coast Suns. Essendon two twenty, the Western Bulldogs off the map a dollar sixty-eight after it was a dollar ninety each of two earlier in the week, and the last game today dollar thirty-two. The Cats and the Kangas three dollars thirty-five twenty and a half is the line there now. On the rugby union, Australia, any old price. Five bucks to beat the All Blacks in Perth. A dollar seventeen are the New Zealanders. Twelve and a half to start there. And there's plenty of EPL and NRL as well. And Jared, the racing starts to hot up with the Lise making her appearance a bit later on today. Specials online are in abundance. There's 25 of them for today, plus bonus bets on races one through four at Flemington and one through three at Rose Hill. Unibet.com.au is the website. Download the app, gamble responsibly, and rug up this afternoon. That's the sure. Good on you, Russ. Get legendary tips on At Odds with Junior Fletch and Hammer. Watch the latest episode at unibet.com.au. More of Crunch Time with Dermot Burton, David King and Kane Corns after the break for Honda and for Subway. On 1116 SEN, the award-winning Crunch Time. Celebrate 50 years of Honda with our limited edition range, loaded with style and sophistication. Search Honda 50. New ultimate cheesy garlic bread sub from Subway. Garlic bread, triple cheese, melt and fill. Yeah, we want to win this game of football and we want to execute um, our football, but uh, we have um, a couple of weeks to work out what is going to um, be best for us um, to prepare for the rest of our campaign. So we... um, we have a few different ideas on what that looks like, but we've got to explore that. We've got to chase it. We're not just going to sit back and think that things are going to fall into place. Um, you know, so we need to be um, proactive to find um, uh, a, a balance that you know, may even be better than the one that we've uh, had in the past. So that was Nathan Buckley yesterday. It's true for Collingwood, but it's actually a theme for all comers from here, Kingy, with three yeah. to play in the home and away. I loved hearing that. I think when a coach says, you know what, we're going to explore a few things, we're not sure whether that's going to take us to the promised land, but, gee, we're going to find it, and then we're going to go after it. We're going to chase it. Great audio. I thought yesterday when I heard that, that's what you want your coach saying. That excites the group, I reckon, Derm. I mean, I know they've got a lot of players out, and, and he can talk about that, but you never hear Nathan reflecting like that it's okay this is this is where we're going this is the vision we were here last year and and we had the same situation with the injury list we got to you know with two minutes to go in the grand final it's theirs you know so i just think the way he's handled the conversation is is terrific that's a great message i think when you when you look at the way collingwood play has he played well no in mason cox uh but to win a game, you've got to outscore the opposition. That's <laughs> stupidity that right. in obvious, yeah. Write that down. <laughs> but, but it, it, I mean, it's so obvious it's stupid. But the cornerstone of the way they score, I, I really believe that Mason Cox is, is, is not the absolute every bit of it, but he's like the cornerstone of it. The game... Do you reckon? Oh, mate, 
they just if you they can't run in a goal if they can't get a goal through talent they need Mason Cox somewhere inside the forward 50 at least yeah. bringing the ball front and centre. I, I couldn't disagree more. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think, I think, and we saw a snippet of it last week with Steel Sidebottom going to half forward and having 26 touches because he works full length of the ground anyway. But at half forward, he finds himself making those split-second decisions. Do I get forward here? And actually have those walk-in goals you're talking about. He had one last week. But are you going to win a game with enough of those? I think you can. I think that they... We were talking last year that they'd shifted their game to a little bit like what Richmond were doing. See, I I reckon those types of goals are bonus. They are bonus. They're not structural goals. They're talent-driven goals. And I reckon you can get, on a good day, six of them in a game. You've got to be able to find another 8 to 12 somewhere else. 8, 10 somewhere else in methodology and that is where you need somebody who draws the footy and draws opposition opponents as well which makes space elsewhere Mm. so i i tend to think he's probably to go back to your original statement of you know you loved hearing what he said i think he's changed his mindset since mason cox is no longer available yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't agree, and this is why it's good to have these conversations because I, I do think that their midfield's not the problem. They've got enough magnets that they can throw in there. They've got an abundance of midfielders. No, no one's disputing that. So, so to throw some class into the foot, class scores in AFL level now. It's class that scores. I know we talk about system and all this sort of stuff, but we, we will see finals won by individual players by. by by class forward to centre. Last year, it was Dugowie at full forward and Stevenson at full forward. That's their point of difference. That's coming back. That'll be back in the first final, those two guys down there. Still, they Varco out of the goal square last week. I mean, last week's a bad week to judge because mm. it was the Gold Coast Suns. We get to see them again against Melbourne today. Now, we probably won't believe, again, Cornsey, mm. what we see because it's Melbourne. You can always find a way to, to dispute what you're seeing. But what if they kick 130 points today? And things just start to flow. Do you, do you then start to buy in? I, I, I think they're, they're building again with a different look. I like it. Uh, I'm more with you than if, I, if I'm on one side than I'm with, with you, Derm, just on this one. I, I, thought he was, I thought he was becoming too predictable, Mason Cox, and even made the comment after, watched all their inside 50s when they beat West Coast away from home. Yes, they won, but the amount of times they just went long, bombed it into Cox, and you just, the opposition just knew exactly where it was going. You could sweat off that, and if you brought it to ground, then Cox gave you nothing. So I actually like the unpredictability of, of what I saw last week. I watched that game live. Yes, it was against Gold Coast, but I think my check into Goey when he's back can play as those targets there and then you surround him with just star-studded talent. I, I thought Elliot moved the best I've seen him this year. Side bottom played a different role. Stevenson will do his thing and then Goey pinch hits midfield forward. So they, they've got enough talent in that forward line. I think it makes it unpredictable and a bit of a nightmare to coach. And, and the second ruck situation is neither here nor there because Grundy does 90, 95% anyway and he's the best in the game. So uh, they can cover the second ruck loss that Cox gives you so oh, I actually really like the structure um, but for me I, I, your point before Kingy about uh, we, we write teams off that, that can't win it too early I, you've got to finish top four for, for me I know the Western Bulldogs pulled a rabbit out of the hat and won it outside of the top four so can we write the Giants off and Collingwood off if they don't make top four? Because I don't see anyone uh, winning it from, from outside the top four. So the conversation around writing teams off. Well, really, the Giants were probably the logical one to suggest that out of the 
teams outside the top four who, who could have challenged somebody with their their, their mm. skill talent. And just come back to you, to both of you then. Do you think Collingwood can kick a winning score of 100 points, 14 goals, out of helter-skelter forward play? Yeah. yeah, yeah I, don't. I don't. We're seeing them without their without their point of difference, without their one word. Stevenson is so important to this team. Agreed. So he, he's a... He's a chaos maker. He may not necessarily kick five or six, but because he draws the attention of the opposition defensive units, not just one player, but two and three players, it creates holes for others. I, yeah, I, I'm, still, I'm still not assessing their forward line for today. I'm trying to assess it for week one of the finals. Term. We're, I think with Dugowie, Stevenson, side bottom, you know, we talk a lot about Majacek. He's a goal kicker. He just kicks two or three a week. I mean, it's pretty pretty basic. Have what they signed him up yet? By by the way, don't know. But um, there'll be a few teams sniffing around, willing to pay him for a bloke who's come off the rookie list. <laughs> I think he'd be pretty happy at Collingwood. Yeah, yeah. remarkably happy. But but, but, but they got to they got to pay him commensurate with what his market value is. Well, I think we, to 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 overlap the two conversations we had before, Cornsy, is what we're saying with Nathan Buckley's comments. We're not necessarily hearing from GWS. Mm. So they're, they're not talking about tinkering and changing and trying to find the best version of themselves and chasing it. That, that's, that's the conversation for this week with the Giants. Mm. And recent history has examples that you can be chasing it at this time of year rather than tuning it, which is probably where it differs from years gone by, uh, from what had happened previously. E- Eagles <laughs> lost three in a row at, at round 15 last year. Everyone said they're gone. David King, Dermot Burton, Kane Corns, more after the break. And the co-captain from the Giants, Phil Davis, will join us on Crunch Time for Honda and for Subway. The award-winning Crunch Time. Celebrate 50 years of Honda with our limited edition range. Loaded with style and sophistication. Search Honda 50. New ultimate cheesy garlic bread sub from Subway. Garlic bread, triple cheese, melt and fill. Round 21 started in the snow in Canberra. The Hawks beat the Giants by 56 points, a result that has broad ramifications. And the images, well, I suppose they'll sit with a hail at Waverley in the television era as two of the great weather events in AFL games. Jared Waiting, David King, Dermot Burden, <laughs> Kane Corns with you on Crunch Time. Melbourne and Collingwood to go today. Port Adelaide and Sydney, they're the first two to start as we delve into the rest of round 21. As well as the result last night, there's two extraneous issues on the flow. The first is Stephen Canelio, who was reported on Thursday night, uh, had made the decision to leave the Giants, and that is hotly disputed by the Chief Executive Dave Matthews and the coach, Leon Cameron. I think we've said all year that we're confident. Yeah, we've got a great culture. Uh, He's been at the club since day one. He's an important part of the club. We absolutely respect the fact that he's taking some time over his decision but you know our view is that no decision's been made so i see the speculation as everyone else does but in the end uh you know steven's a a, a considered person and he's a valuable player and we think uh, that he still stay at the club i'd love um he would have signed six months ago but as i said all along i haven't seen anything different i know that media speculations probably ramped it up over the last 24 hours 48 hours but a really good chat to Stephen two days ago and from my point of view, unless I'm blinded, I haven't seen anything different. Would I like him to sign right now? Absolutely. I'm not going to lie about that, but um, I think the club's handling it as well as we possibly can under the circumstances. I mean, if it takes another two weeks or three weeks and that's the way it's going to be. 
Callan Waters, a close friend, told us on AFL Nation last night he can't see any reason why he would leave. So, it, it, the, Leon talks of the circumstances. They are a tough circumstance to handle as a club when you feel all the indications are that he's staying, but there's no contract on paper at the end of round 21 for you. It, that seems unusual, uh, exactly the way you've uh, uh, placed those words there, but... Uh, having known Stephen and been around him, he is an absolute A-grade citizen. E- even if he wasn't a good footballer, you'd want him at your club for the for his ability to foster culture, look after young players, and, and just be a wonderful citizen around your club. And for those reasons, I'm not... I'm close to as you can without being fully convinced that he will stay at the Giants. And I know it sounds weird that the longer they don't sign, the the history shows us the more likely they are to move. But I think if he moves, it will not be for money. It'll be for opportunity to play in something. It'll be... uh, Don't discount the fact, I don't know how they're going salary cap-wise, but he's a wonderful young man and he's got a I've met his parents and wonderful people um and don't discount the fact that there's West Australia comes into it as well being a West Australian born lad but I, I think he'll be playing one of the two teams colors that he was that was out there last night I think and I think more likely it'll be the home team GWS Kane will it Will it now be a surprise if he stays or are you a bit of Dermot's line of thinking? Uh, so it's a guess, uh, but I, th- I would think that he will go. Uh, and I don't I don't know him like Dermot does. I don't have any insight into it, but uh, just history would probably say that he would go. And uh, Carlton seemed pretty confident from what I've read and when stories come out like they have this week that he has made his mind up. Usually, usually it means, you know, they don't just come out of the blue. Uh, history would say that, uh, you know, talk came up about players at this time of the year leaving like McGovern and Lever the year before so I would think there's some truth behind that and yes I'd be surprised to answer your question Jared, if he stayed at the Giants Let the lies begin Jared. Let the <laughs> lies begin. This is what I hate about our system. I mean, why, why can the NRL handle it so well when players decide to leave, they can sign contracts and they get on with it. I mean you still give your best service. He's not playing at the moment so it's even simpler in a lot of ways. It's, it's easier for, for the club to say, okay, this is what's happening. Let's let's get on with it. I mean, oh, I find this really frustrating. This Culturally, party. we're very different. I remember, it's not that long ago Paul Ruse said, well, if he said he's going somewhere else at the end of the year, I'm not playing him. Yeah. I, I, Culturally, I we are that. very different. I think we've moved past that. Though. I don't know if we have. Gee. I really don't know if we <laughs> you reckon? You reckon after last night's performance, <laughs> if Stephen Cornelio Was is on that list and fit, he's not playing him because there's a chance he's going to Carlton next year? Not if Paul Ruse is coaching oh, him. Come on. Why, why, why do we think Jack Martin got dropped? Could oh. there be an element of that? I'll show you some vision on Wednesday yeah. night as yeah, to why he got poor. dropped. Very good. <laughs> All right, we'll come to Ruffy's farewell game, which You're has been such today, a topic of you. discussion as well. We'll get to that on Crunch Time for Honda <laughs> and for Subway soon as well. But the co-captain of the Giants, a headline guest today, has been good enough to join us after a miserable night. Phil Davis, welcome to Crunch Time. Hi, Jared. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. H- how low a moment was last night for you, Phil, in, in all that you've experienced? Yeah, it was obviously, you know, in in recent history, it was up there for one of our most poor performances, um, you know, for a multitude of reasons. But, yeah, it, it was disappointing. Was, um, yeah, in so many facets, I said, where does it sit? I saw a few comments about the worst performance ever, but probably not that low. Um, there were some pretty dark days earlier, but in terms of significance in the present moment, yeah, it was, it was a very poor performance. 
why do you, what was the core of it? Why did you think it happened? Was this an under-12 game where one group committed to the absurdity of what was going on and the other shivered and sulked through the night? Um, no, I, I must admit, I probably just, you know, out of all the theories I've heard from the game, that's probably the one I disagree with the most because I just think, um, you know, from our point of view, the, the weather, apart from, you know, altering, you know, how we wanted to move the ball, etc., um, didn't seem like a deterrent factor. They were just better than us. Now that, that, that's hard to deal with. I don't think if it was 30 degrees, 10 degrees, 15 degrees, it wouldn't matter. And you know, the weather was just, you know, a little side story in the whole thing. Because um, once you're out there, it was actually okay. So um, we were just beaten. You know, I don't think we, we we sulked it up because it was cold or anything like that. It was just um, we were outplayed by a, a better, hungrier side, which is extremely disappointing considering what was on the line. Phil Durham here. How are you going, mate? I do. Did you get your game plan wrong or did you play your game style incorrectly in the first quarter that set you on a, a bad path? Yeah, it was sort of strange. The sort of first 15 minutes when it, when it was dry, we probably played as if it was really wet and they probably moved the ball quite cleanly and took some really good contested marks out of the footy. Um, and then, you know, we, probably, we were probably playing wet weather footy before it even came, to be honest. Uh, while they were probably a little bit more expansive and, and chopped us through, and then we sort of clawed our way back in um, once once the uh, once the weather came. Um, but you know, the most disappointing for me all night was the start of the start of the first quarter, start of the second, and start of the third quarter. Um, we sort of just were shocking at the start of those quarters, and you know, you know, there's been a lot of talk about two rights, but we knew if it was wet, we're gonna have to go long down the line a lot, and we wouldn't have a strong presence there. But unfortunately. Even with that, you know, some of our long down line stuff um, was incredibly poor. Jacob Hopper's not not an old man himself in terms of league football. He's, he's only 22, but his body's mature. He's played, you know, over 50 games. That type of situation suits him. You just look desperately young in the middle of the ground with with some of the personnel you had in there. Yeah, there's no doubt that you know we're, we're definitely lacking some experience around the ball, whether it be Hopper or, or Cornelio or, or Ward or, or Kelly or any of those sort of, you know, high-end experienced midfielders, um, you know, which is obviously, um, you know, an element of, you know, why we sort of got been around the ball. But at the same time, you know, you know they had Warpool and the like in there for them um, who, who, who was wreaking a fair bit of havoc. But, you know, we were, you know, we'll, you know, we'd have loved to have Jacob there last night as well as the others. But at the same time, you know, we're getting some... You know, opportunities in a young players, which is about the only positive you can take out of it at the moment. You know, it's great to see Jai Caldwell get his debut. I thought his first quarter in particular was you know, extremely promising, and he's going to be a great player. But um, you know, with, with how he played, you know, having that many young players with you know Hately in there as well and, and Bonner, you know, we probably like a bit more uh, of experience around them. Um, however, we still thought we had the cattle on the park to you know have a more of a significant impact um, in the game. You, you made mention that, that perhaps people on the outside have made more of it, but what did you think of? And, and you'll—I know you'll review the game and you'll have a look back on tape. There are moments where where the where the Hawthorne people, like the thing with you know Isaac Smith at training, running around in a pair of undies and 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 uh, uh, Clarkson running a lap in in just a pair of shorts and 
no top. And at, at quarter time, they're all looking up at the snow and they're laughing their heads off and, and loving the conditions. They, it was like they said, let's come and enjoy it. Win, lose or draw, we're going to enjoy it. When you're on the opposite side and you, and you see something, do you feel there's a swell against you or is it just, hey, that's how it, how it unfolded? It had no bearing on who wins the ball. Do, what's your stance? Oh, there's no doubt that there was, oh, from my point of view, I, I thought that, you know, they were obviously trying to, you know, flip the script on the conditions and, and try to turn it all positive. And, you know, obviously it definitely, you know, they, they, they played the conditions better than us. But I just I just feel as though, from my point of view, and, you know, it's, it's hard, but um, I just felt as though, you know, both sides were aware of the conditions and you just had to deal with it. And, you know, they decided to deal with it in a way that was, you know, humorous and embracing and, you know, going the other way. Obviously, you know, we don't want to be in your underwear for too long in, in those kind of minus two degree temperatures. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, 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 you know I, I think you can still be rugged up and then go out and play and embrace the conditions. Um, so I definitely get the, the, the element of, hey, let's, you know, played so far the other way just you know to you know almost laugh off the conditions to you know try to embrace it but we, we you know we were aware you know we, we once we knew that the forecast was in we didn't really speak about the weather we understood that it was going to be cold but then it was about hey what's the wind doing what's the rain doing is that going to affect our game plan etc um but we got out hunted um you know maybe their way is better but um you know we felt as though you know our mindset to the conditions was um strong and um prepared for battle and Unfortunately, they outfought us and outbeat us up around the ball a bit. That, that being the case, Phil, if we are to go down that path for a sec, is this a sort of loss where you as a leader need to call the group in and say, hey, we need to have a chat about this. It's time for a powwow here. Let's sit down and work out why we've scored 29 points in a game to a team that's not really in the, the contention for, for the Premiership this season. I know they're a quality side, Hawthorne, and they can do this uh, to teams. They can make you look... They can make good teams look very ordinary on occasion, but you guys should be in that next bracket of teams now. I mean, we're talking about this team arriving at some stage. We thought it was 2019. Do you feel like this is the sort of performance where you need to have a, a group session together and you know, thrash out what's going wrong? Yeah, King, I think it's, you know, I think we'll, we'll, we'll hit this head on. There's no doubt about that, especially Monday. Um, there are some things that you can accept and there are other things that you can't accept. And I think a lot of the, what happened last night is unacceptable. And, um, you know, we'll make sure that that's reviewed very, very heavily, as you say. What sort of things do you talk about specifically? I mean, what's unacceptable to you? I mean, we'll have our assessments from outside. But what sort of things, when you, when you speak like that, what are you talking about specifically? Well, there's, there's, there's a few things. And there's no doubt, you know, there are times um, on the weekend where we just got outnumbered around the ball. And generally, that is either A, structural, or B, effort. Um, and with how we were trying to play, I think a lot of that will come back to effort. And, you know, we'll get specific clips where we don't think we worked hard enough in comparison to our opposition. And that'll be pretty firm. And then there'll be a bit probably more around, um, you know, let's make sure people are playing their roles properly and to how we want them to play to make it a good cohesive unit. You know, the times when we allowed them to have three players out the back three or two or three or whatever it was, something's falling down there and people aren't doing what they need to do. And, um, you know, goals out the back from the back line's point of view as well. You know, these things here, people are making mistakes and um, that's, that's that's not acceptable because we've got to be more consistent in that area. And then the final one for me is, you know, you've got to win the contest. We knew that, you know, if we were going to have any chance to beat Hawthorne, 
you know, you, you got to win contested ball and you got to win clearances. And, you know, unfortunately, we lost contested ball by, I think, about 15 or 15-ish, I think, last yep. night. And yep. that comes down to Will and Hunt. And then, you know, we'll see clips where, you know, Hawthorne players may have had greater will. And there's no doubt we had time. You, know, you look at Toby Green and, you know, the performance he put up last night, 20 odd contested possessions. So, that, you know, mm. from him point of view, leading, leading the front in the midfield. Yeah, but that's got to be infectious. That's got to go through the group. And, you know, we'll look at examples of players that did and then also times when we didn't, we can say we've got to be better than that. Phil, you left Adelaide on August the 2nd, 2011, before the season was done. Um, we've been discussing that mentality in AFL football a little bit. Would you support Stephen Cornelio doing the same? Um, I'd probably have more of a view on if you've made your mind up, you don't necessarily have to proclaim publicly, but I think it, I think we're in a position now where you can tell uh, administration and keep it in-house that way, if that makes sense. So I feel like just with how with how the competition is now and how much sometimes it can just be a, a race to get a position to, to get players, knowing where your list will be earlier is an advantage. And there's no doubt from my point of view, having all that information as early as possible is good. And if Stephen went to Wayne Campbell or any player went to Wayne Campbell and said, hey, I don't think I'll be here next year. You know, then you can start planning, and I think that's better for us. I, I think playing it out in public um, provides a, a whole myriad of issues that um, you know are best to be avoided. Especially, I don't think we're quite at the position where people are telling you know their, their fans, etc., they're not going to be there next year. Um, can can cause some issues that I don't think we're quite ready for. Mm, what what was that like for you going through that? It's, it's eight years ago now, but it was dealt with poorly from from the Adelaide Footy Club. I thought. Yeah, it was a challenge because because my year was over. I think from Stephen's point of view, he, he's still hoping to get back for our finals campaign. And, but I, I must admit, I didn't really enjoy it. Um, you know, I sort of you've got a contract, you want to see out your time there, and you know, especially being injured, you want to rehab and do all that, but I sort of knew the label. I was actually fortunate that the year before Bok left and he got a certain a certain amount of treatment too that meant that I sort of knew what was coming my way. Uh, but I, I think with how the landscape is now, you're contracting and yeah, there's more player movement now than there was when when I when I left. Um, but I think we're mature enough now that if you were to tell them that, you know, you're still trying to win football games and, and be in the best position possible. So there's a, an element of understanding there. Um, and you still got to do the best by the players and the club. And if that means you're staying around and playing, then that's the best way to do it. Mm. And the flow-down effect is interesting at your footy club, Jonathan Patton, his future, but also Tomlinson. You know, the fact that Stephen is stringing this out, th- th- can that affect other negotiations for players that you want to keep? Oh, I think there's no doubt that you know, when you, you know, we, we, we believe we're a good side. When, when good sides, you've got a lot of good players and who take up, you know, significant amounts of salary cap space and you're always going to be tight right on the limit. And, um, I guess, you know, with Stephen, you know, probably being our top few earners, um, there, there's an element that, you know, what he does will affect what offers we can offer other players and, you know, players have to, you know, wait and see that. But that's just part and parcel as well, you know. You sort of, the salary cap is what it is and, yeah, you got to see where the pieces fall to make sure you stay under it. Um, and there's no doubt that you know once you know you know where your salary cap is, you can make decisions about other contracts as well. Phil, Phil the heat always comes on the coach, and we know that. And I think Leon Cameron gets more feedback than most, regardless of whether you 
you're, you're being, uh, you're winning football or you're, you're losing games. Is he the man? Can he drive the Ferrari? All that sort of stuff keeps keeps getting brought up at moments like these. What, what do you say to Leon today? Do you have a chat with Leon? Do you see how he's going? Do you do you see where this group's going underneath him? Do you have those sorts of chats with Leon, or do you just leave it and let uh, let matters take care of themselves? Well, there's no doubt we have you know we have good conversations frequently, and you know we're always you know trying to push the group in, in the direction we think that's required. And you know, you know, you're always, as a leadership group, you know, sort of the conduit between you know the, the coaches and and the players, and you're trying to work out where the where where we see opportunities, etc. And you know, we speak to Leon, and you know, I, I think one thing about Leon is, is is the care and work that he puts in, and you know, the time he puts into the game plan and managing the players, etc. Is, is phenomenal. You know, the players got a huge amount of faith in him, and that we're pushing the right direction. And you know, no team is perfect. You know, whether you're on top of the ladder like Geelong or West Coast, yeah, there's no team that's perfect, and we're always chasing to, to be better. And you know, Leon. One thing about Leon is he's very open to you know have discussions and. Um, really, there are thrash out ways that we can get better because we're always chasing, you know, perfection. Um, and you know, we, we, we we've been disappointed with some of our performances this year, but also some of our good stuff stacks up as well as anyone's. Hmm. Phil, uh, Hawthorne have been able to stymie and stop the Giants' ball movement forward. You know, you're a team which tends to short pass and like to retain possession. You're enormously high in uncontested marks across the season. But Hawthorne seem to like playing against that sort of slow kick in the back line type team. The way they grid out and stop your ball movement, do you see a time in the future when the Giants might be able to adopt that type of play in-game or for a game or as a style? In terms of maybe going a bit faster, Dem, is that what you mean? No, no, no. Or the way Hawthorne played to stop the opposition. Oh, Do you yeah, ever see a time where the yeah. Giants might adopt that type of ne- uh, negating tactic? Oh, I feel oh, when I watch yeah. you guys, I feel that an, uh, there's an enormous amount left to you. And you, the, and it's like Leon says and the coaching staff says, play football, Phil, win your battle, hold the back line for us and get it forward and let the rest do it. I, I don't see that you get as much support as some of the more organised midfields because they might, mightn't have as much talent, so they work harder on defensive mechanisms to assist the back line. Do you ever see that you might get that support? Yeah, I think I think we're, we're constantly trying to improve our defence, especially our team defence. And, you know, I think Hawthorne, you know, they sort of set the league in terms of, you know, their structures around team defence and... You look at how Geelong were defending, you know, all year. That they've got some great structures as well, and I think everyone's chasing that. Uh, but I think at the same time, how it works is, you know, if you want to defend that hard, you also you limit your scoring a little bit. And I think we're trying to find a balance where we can defend really well as a team, but also make sure that we can counter attack and score and be an offensive threat too. Because you know, we we want to be scoring, you know, quite well, but also you know, defense is just so important. You know, we're always trying to work on that balance and work on. Yeah, you know, whole defensive mechanisms, um, and there's and there's no doubt that when we're definitely not the finished product in terms of a defensive um, defensive group. Um, you know, we're we're always trying to improve that area, but it's an area that we've got to get better. At, I think I think that's a fair point, um, but also we don't want to put us, <clears throat> put ourselves in a position where we can't score as well because you know, you want to be a side that can score and defend really well, and you know we're we're chasing that. Does our team defence have to get a little bit better? Yeah, probably it does but also we don't want to be sacrificing too much of our offence. 
Do you know any more about Brett Deledio's injury this morning? Um, no, just just the conversation I had with him, he was he was super confident um, that he was going to be okay. So okay. Um, I guess with his history, we we, ha- we take a bit of caution um, every now and again. He wanted to get back on and play last night. So from speaking to him this morning, he, he's um, very bullish that um, he'll be okay. Phil, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Russ. Thanks, Phil. Thanks, Phil. Phil Davis, co-captain of the Giants with us on Crunch Time there. He, yeah. he comes mm-hmm. on every time. Mm-hmm particularly when at moments like this, and it's hard as a leader, isn't it? because he's rational. Yeah. He, he's a wonderful leader, and he's very rational about it. He cuts through the red tape of hoo-ha and just tells it I as a footballer does. Sometimes at moments like these, I don't mind an irrational leader. Not a rational <laughs> one. Irras- Look, boys, we're getting together. We need to talk about this. They kicked 29 points last night. You know, and it's... Phil's saying we don't want to go too far defensively. Well, you, they're going to have to find a point of difference. Like that just can't be. It just can't be Toby Green and Lockie Whitfield all bust. Yeah. It can't be. It's got to be. There's got to be more buy-in than that. So yeah, it's almost like for me the defence is Phil, keep them glued, mm. and we're not going to give you a seventh defender uh, on, on most occasions. We're not going to do that. So it's up to Haynes. Nick Haynes to yeah. peel off his man and become the extra where the ball drops. And that's, Which is fraught with danger as well, but he does it really lost. well. That's the way they lost to the Dogs in their preliminary final. Haynes yeah. goes for the mark. McRae ducks out the back, game over. I mean, it, it's such a risk-reward position. Mm. And to play that way, I honestly think they have to make significant change. But by, significant not, change. by not gritting out to restrict the opposition moving the ball forward, their midfielders are normally in a better position to run forward and score going the other way. I agree with that. But sometimes you've actually got to stop anything coming at you before you want to charge the other way. So they're the feature of the 40 Winks Serious About Sleep Ladder update. Save up to 50% on the 40 Winks back care range. So, so their top four chances are pretty well shot. They six fifth at the moment, but they could leak a place. Collingwood win. Their percentage down to 116.5. They're on 48 points, and the group ahead should uh, be able to kick clear of them. The Pies, with the win today over Melbourne, go ahead of the Giants, if that is what happens. Hawthorne moved from 12th to 10th after last night's victory, gaining almost 4%. Bed match takes the confusion out of buying a bed only at 40 winks. So, let's not rehash the conversation. Let's just go, does this complicate Jared Ruffhead next Sunday against the Suns? Yes. Yeah, so you mm. think that now won't happen? I think happen? that's it. I, I, and I, you know what? I, I'm, I don't like saying it. I, I would love to see the romance of it come back, but I think it does. And I think the person who would probably be best adjusted to it is Jared Ruffhead. What do you think, King? I don't think it matters. Put him in a car, spin him around the, the, uh, the venue a couple of times. You know, the fans will come. If you said the fans, we would love to have given him a game, but we're going we're going to do a lap of honour, and we want everyone to come down. We we want you to support the guys; they're playing great football. So that's the two hours after this. But in the meantime, just come down and, and just give this man the, the send off that that he deserves. I think the Hawk fans they've been blessed the last. I hope Box Hill are playing years. in the morning. <laughs> well, give him the night, give him the day off. Hey, Box Hill, you know. I mean, there's there's sometimes you just got to you've got to let the fans embrace the club again mm. and they've had a great period yeah but uh yeah the game itself looks much more complicated now with hawthorne's win last night all right the crunch all the issues from the week from trades to rumors to what comes in this round of footy that is all ahead kingy enjoy the afternoon go pies <laughs> crunch time for honda and for subway <laughs>
The award-winning Crunch Time. Celebrate 50 years of Honda with our limited edition range. Loaded with style and sophistication. Search Honda 50. New ultimate cheesy garlic bread sub from Subway. Garlic bread, triple cheese, melt and fill. Hawthorne set the rabbits racing at the start of round 21 in the snow in Canberra last night. 56-point winners over the Giants at the MCG. It's been raining intermittently. It's a cold afternoon in Melbourne. It's properly August as Melbourne and Collingwood go at it when the fixture was released. It would have had deciding the top four, maybe the top two written all over it. It's not that as they come together. Jared, I, I learn something from you most times we you know, have chance encounter and, and at work. Set the rabbits racing. Yeah, yeah. Where does that saying come from? Is that from Irish coursing? <laughs> Maybe. There's conversations running in all sorts of directions. Not too many people would know what coursing is, but you <laughs> clearly do. Set the rabbits racing. Port Adelaide and Sydney in the middle of today. The twilight is in Queensland. The Q Clash, the Lions and the Suns. And then tonight, Essendon and the Bulldogs probably have as game. much running at it mm. as any. And then Geelong and North Melbourne. And I don't Another think we'll good. finish crunch time without discussing the Cats and their place in the scheme of things. Jared Waitley, Kane Corns, Dermot Brereton for you in the crunch and we'll see how many of the issues of the week that we can get through in the next half hour. Kane, maybe the first one for you. It was a week defined by the crossover of two internet rumours into mainstream media. This is vexed. So Eddie Maguire on his radio show thought that the AFL should investigate where the Collingwood gambling rumours started. Nathan Buckley had the line, this is the moment where I deny it, and you write about the denial as the way in, mm. and that was shrewd in its own right. Don Pike was so affronted by his internet rumour of the physical confrontation with Josh Jenkins that we got the most, uh, that we got the most robust version of Pike that we have seen so far. How vexed an issue is it for we in the media as to what crosses over from the dark corners of the internet into the mainstream discussion? Well, it's a really good point and it's an interesting time because I've seen both of the um, clips or, or, or the paragraphs that these rumours started on have been you know, sent both of them as probably you know hundreds of people in the media have and I reckon there's people out there thinking what rumour can I start and they'll be getting joy out of, of doing this. I mean, the Jenkins one started on Reddit and now I've never even heard of Reddit on I'm maybe showing my age a little bit there, but for that to then make its way into mainstream media, I know there was a you know a, a highly regarded website that ran it in Adelaide, and then a radio station spoke about it. Once you start doing that and reporting on rumours, then it's very dangerous territory to come down. And then I had a couple of people convinced this Collingwood one was was legit, and that, you know that it was going to you know, be true. So. Uh, it's it's a dangerous time, and I think you'll be very careful to to report on this. But it's a, it's a big issue, and there's some uh, ordinary people out there looking to get their kicks out of starting some of these things. I really felt for Don Pike, probably above all, and Josh Jenkins, I think, as well, yeah. because he not only did he lose his place in the side for for the second time this year, which for for any footballer is really difficult, particularly towards the business end, then to have. The, the fact that he's um, cleaned out his locker, he's not returning and all of that, and, and, a, and a fight with the coach. Um, he's dealt with that, and then he's dealt with a report that went to where from Caroline Wilson on Monday night that Mark is not happy with him and he's lost his place in the side because he's leaking information to the media, which I would think as a player is one of the worst allegations that you can be 
labelled with to be giving inside classified information to the media. So he's dealt with the, the, the triple banger, really, Josh Jenkins. So uh, I felt for him, and, and you're right, I felt for Don Pike as well. And, and he's, I thought he spoke really well yesterday, Don Pike, and he, he cleared it up pretty nicely. So you've, you've covered the full mm. gamut there. Is, yeah. is there any... Is there any smoke where where Mark Rashudo is disappointed with Josh Jenkins apart from his form? Yeah, I don't know. I I, I don't know. There, there there may be derm. I don't know whether it's a clash of personality. Once again, I, I don't want to speak about things yep. that, I, that I'm not across. Um, I I would think there's some frustrations in his game, um, and I would think they are certainly questioning the list management decision to give him one of the richest contracts in Adelaide playing history. I mean, they're they're not a club that traditionally gives long-term deals and pays players over and above. They've done that. He's still got two years to go. So that'd be, there'd be some frustration. Well, he's not delivering like a $758,000 player. I get that. Um, but in terms of the personal side, I, I don't know. And, and you've also got to take into account that Josh does work in the media and he's not the only footballer to do so. So mm. he has to speak about the game. And through that, there will become uh, he will divulge yep. various things along the way. But I wouldn't have thought that uh, I've heard him talk about fisticuffs no, and the we likes speak with to the him. coach. He comes yeah. in uh, with us in SA once a week, and and we, he's very good at it yeah, too. Oh, like he's that. terrific, and that, and that's why that's why we get him because he, he does cut through the usual cliches. And he, he did say there's been. I asked him the question: you know, Have they said to you they're they're disappointed with you giving information to the media? He said no. They've pulled me up a couple of times, saying that I've gone too far in terms of some things that I've said. I think he, the example he gave was a comment he made about Patrick Dangerfield not winning winning a flag. I'm paraphrasing here in in the 2017 season. They pulled me up in in that. But in terms of giving him inside information, no one's ever mentioned that to me. And he said he hasn't bothered to speak to Mark Rashido about it. It's a new world, though, isn't it? I mean, some of the things that you're meant to be absolutely bat fink with your steel wings and just shield off against comments that come towards you through media platforms in the internet. I mean, it is a new world where criticism is just rampant and vulgar and nasty and, and general criticism as well that, I mean, even if it's polite criticism, you kind of have to digest it and and stomach it and absorb it and move on and and question whether it's true, whether you want to rectify it. And then there's next-level criticism. It's it's a whole new world that that people have to uh, deal with these days. And and I I tend to think, and it's another chat for another time, I tend to think it has an enormous amount of um, responsibility in in some or more than has been in the past, players having and suffering uh, mental illness situations. Yeah, the two streams are interesting, and Kane, in your editorial yesterday, so the, the social media and the dark side of that and then the mainstream media, I do feel like in this environment, the mainstream media has a responsibility to be... Um, disciplined and diligent more so. And I think we, as a collective, have gone the other way. And I think things get There's a massive way question. too casually at the moment and an opinion gets dressed up as fact or it's hard to pick the line between... Mm. Is, are you saying that that's happened or is there... There's a, a massive question, though, Jared. Can I ask you the, the question? It's a rumour and it appears on 
Facebook on somebody, you know, takes a snapshot of somebody else's, I've heard this rumour from a good source, blah, 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 10 Collingwood players, whatever. That's the rumour. When does that have to be addressed Mm. by the club to say, no, it's fiction. It is complete and utter fiction. And clearly Eddie got to the point where through how how that went like a brush fire mm. that he felt he had to. And, Jenkins and I understand same, that. Because um, some would say you don't ever address yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, but this has gone so far, Kane, that I totally understand why you get to the point again, hey, we, even though the downside of that is it legitimises the conversation, we have to say this is not happening. Yeah, and Jenkins did the same as well. He said, I, I didn't want to address it. He said, but I had family and friends ringing me convinced that I'd had a a punch up with Don Pike. So that's when he, he put a picture up uh, at his locker. I think it was on Monday, just on Twitter and, and said, all good here. I'm just working hard to get a kick with a picture of him smiling and the thumbs up, which I thought was the right thing to do. I thought that strategy was good and it sort of takes all the oxygen out of it, but it is hard on when to uh, address it and, and when not to, for sure. In mainstream, because I know highly, highly educated men, captains of industry and their, their, their query on, any type of scuttlebutt is, if it's not true, there is no need to address it. Yeah. Yet we as an industry get to a point where we go, whoa, this is so out of control, even though it's not true, we need to address yeah, it. Yeah, and the denials are really hard line to walk. Yeah. Because if you don't deny the next thing, so once you get into the pattern of, hey, that has to be denied and you don't deny the next thing, then where there's, mm. oh, I don't, I don't envy the participants this one. And those two live case studies during the week have been really difficult, I think, for everyone to deal with. Mm. Um, and then the, the other scenario over in South Australia, so you had a good ding-dong with, um, with the Players Association and that emanates from Ollie Wines. Ollie Wines is not in the... Well, he's playing in the Sandful this week, um, Kane. So what began as a story about water skiing still seems to have ripples... Uh, all the way through to three to go. It's fascinating, this one. So I'm at Adelaide Oval now. The rain uh, is just starting to come down, so the condition's probably similar to what you're experiencing at the MCG. And Ollie Wines, the captain of the club, um, is an emergency. And so he's coming back from injury, so he's fit. It's not a soft tissue injury, term. It's a, it's a thumb. So he, in terms of his conditioning, he's good to go. And Ken Hinckley said he's fit to go. No issues. I'm confident he could play and be fit to play but they've elected to leave the skipper of the club out, who's always been a first-year, a first-up selection right from the minute he walked in the door. He played every game in his first season. Ollie Wines, he's, you know, it's been a really challenging year for him to the point now where they're selecting a player by the name of Cam Suckliffe, who they picked up in the mid-season trade period over the captain of the club, who's fit to go. So um, this is a massive call from Ken Hinckley, who's stuck firm with the 22 that got it done against Essendon last week. But you've got the captain of the club fit to go and he's sitting in the stands today on, on a wet Adelaide day where you would think would suit him perfectly. So, yeah, I just, I just, I'm, I'm fascinated by this and hopefully it pays off for Ken, but it's a big call. He's used Sutcliffe as a run-with role a little several bit. times, not, not so, hasn't la- he? Yeah, not last week, though. He more just yeah. played you know, a bit of, bit of wing, bit of half forward and, and was good. I, I'm, I, my I would big... think he'd set him for Shields. Yeah, uh, he he's the line breaker that even when he's not kicking it well, his explosive pace away from the contest has really separated Essendon from other teams. No, well, that I mean, was last. Yeah, that was yeah. last week. So I got Sydney today, um, and you know, maybe it's. Oh, a, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah yep, maybe yep. it's. A, I don't know. Maybe it's a Heaney or a, or a Kennedy. But once again, you know, you, you're picking Wines or you're picking Sutcliffe. So, just 
Yeah, it's just a, an interesting one. He's always been Ken's favourite, Ollie Wines, to the point where, no, no I'm going to send you back through the sample. And, you know, it's been a, been a disaster for him, Jared, since the when he did get injured. He's only played the nine games this year and has had a couple of injuries. But uh, it's a big call from Ken, and, and hopefully it pays off for him. Here at the MCG, the teams are unchanged. Collingwood and Melbourne this afternoon. Some of the D's out warming up at the moment. She's nice and chilly in August. After the break, we'll see how many of the rapid-fire topics we can get through from the week with Dermot Burton and Kane Corns. It's crunch time for Honda and for Subway. On 1116 SEN, the award-winning crunch time. Celebrate 50 years of Honda with our limited edition range, loaded with style and sophistication. Search Honda 50. New ultimate cheesy garlic bread sub from Subway. Garlic bread, triple cheese, melt and fill. No shortage of topics from the weekend footy as we look towards round 21 as well. Kane Corns and Dermot Burton with you on Crunch Time. Dermot, Robbo's frames a really intriguing piece today around Patrick Dangerfield and it deals with the tyranny of premierships in greatness. Now, you and Kane have both won premierships and you have so many, you could probably spare a few for those who missed out. Um, is it essential in the makeup of greatness that there be premiership success? It's usual. Yeah, it's usual. So when we don't see it in somebody's CV at the end of their career who we regard as a great, it's unusual to see it not there. And then, and then what happens is people say, well, were you part of the reason it wasn't there? Which... Seems ludicrous to suggest somebody can be a great and hasn't given their chance, their team a better chance of winning one. Uh, I don't think it detracts from the player, but it's definitely an enormous. It's it's what everyone plays for, so it it, it is an enormous um, feather in the cap to say that you were part of and created one. Um, I, I see players I know that we regard as great players. And even though I don't downgrade their, 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 their gift to the game of what they provided, I look at them and feel, not sorry, but I, I feel for them that they don't know what it's like. Jerry, I To know I... what it is like just Sorry. to be there at the final siren cane. I was just going to butt in. We've had the conversation about Ollie Wines just breaking now. Ollie Wines is in for Port Adelaide, uh. Uh, replacing Zach Butter. So, sorry, I'm fascinated by your conversation there, but I just thought we'd get to that quickly. Yeah, so, so Kane, you could, you know when you speak to people who are very, very good players mm. and have almost got there but didn't, failed on the last day, you, you feel for them that they don't know what it is like. To, to actually play in a grand final. I do. I, a premiership. I, the, yeah. the, the, my most favourite game I played in and was the 2004 prelim. And I, I think you know, we won by six points. But when the siren went, I was standing right next to Robert Harvey. And I think, you know, if, if, if not for a bounce of the ball, uh, Robert Harvey, one of the players that I looked up to could have been a premiership player. And he, you know, told over 380 games as a superstar and, and never got there. So, you know, I... I feel luck more than anything. Dan, when you win five, it's it's not luck, but um, you know the bounce of a ball can go either way and determine the, the fate of a player, which shouldn't be. So I, I don't look at Robert Harvey and think, oh, anything less of him because he hasn't won a flag. So I can I can get the obsession with it from Dangerfield and from the players that that haven't been there and have heard Nick Revolt speak about it, but I don't look at them any differently. Are you tangibly more fulfilled, Kane, mm. for having won it than if you hadn't won it? Yeah, I'd be, I'd probably be, um, 
still lay awake thinking about it, Jared. Probably, you know, depending on how close you got. I mean, some players don't even you know, get close. But if you got really close and didn't get there, it would mess with my mind, I think, just because that's the way I'm wired. So once again, I, I more think of the, the good fortune and the, you know, the great teammates that you're surrounded in, the good team that you're in that gave you a chance to be there. So I just feel um, probably gratitude that uh, we were good enough to do it at least once. The environment around Carlton, the people power from former greats to the rank and file and the terraces do what if you are sitting on the committee to select the next coach how do you measure that do you want to be aware of it do you have to factor it in do you have to keep it at arm's length because the same people who'll protest wickedly if you don't put him in if he ends up being the wrong guy will come with their pitchforks for you <laughs> yours and my mate mark mcclure is the he's graham richardson you know he, yeah he is the the epitome he is he is the epicenter of that movement he will get you sacked <laughs> he will have you sacked at some stage then he'll have an enormous voice and hand in the appointment of the next one. And that very person, he's had an enormous voice in getting into succession. He'll sack them too. He'll see them in <laughs> and he'll see them out. And you know what? It's, it's kind of a lovable way from the outside to look at Carlton. They love whoever's in there and doing well. But by God, they'll eat their own when, <laughs> when the chips are down. And that's been the culture of that club. And, you know, apart from the recent last couple of decades, it's been remarkably successful for them. I do feel like they're building something, though. Um, now, the people power led by sellers and the likes on David Teague right now, the, he's moved himself into a position, providing he doesn't have three uh, abysmal failures in the last three rounds, he's moved himself to a position that the only person or persons who can be appointed ahead of him now have to have coached league football already at the top level and have to have had some success and I can't see anyone that fits the bill so if they don't appoint him they're, they're going to have to answer some and field some fairly heavy questions from the likes of our good friend Boxhead. McClure. <laughs> Outstanding. I'm deeply fascinated with it. Like the, the prospect of them winning tomorrow afternoon, and I know it's unlikely, although Dustin Martin is out, but the pro I'm intoxicated by the idea of one of these last three games. <laughs> <laughs> I always well, want to you... be here to just... I want to get the feel for the... Of everyone I know, you've probably had the biggest shift because you and I sat together on 360 last year and you said, I don't see it. Mm. I don't see it. And they had to sack the coach. and They, they did. That's a big pivot in their plan, I, look, isn't it? I saw the players, the personnel, and thought it's going to be a long grind. I didn't think it would turn this quickly if yeah. they did move the coach on. But uh, the players are there, and they will only add to them again this year. Be like a, it could be like a Trump rally here tomorrow if <laughs> things go their way. <laughs> so who's Glorious the and bonkers. You, you have to have time. some really out there protesters. <laughs> uh, good, good fun, I reckon. Um, Kane on the Richmond side of things. So, is it so? Alex Rance makes the selfless decision, the good of the many over the good of the few. Once that settles, does this is that the is that a positive for the group? 
Um, yeah, probably. I, I don't think anything is derailing them. That they're, they're so focused at the moment. They're, they're, they remind me just of a train that's just straight up and down the tracks. I don't think there's anything right now that could distract their focus. I feel like there's the belief in the group now that they've got. They're playing the footy that's good enough at the right time of the year. Clearly, um, and you know, Alex Rance, bit of a sideshow there. I, I don't think it was ever that likely that he was going to come back. So, like, I just think they're in a, a really good position um, at the moment, and they're a happy group that are playing a, a game style that will stack up. They got still some personnel to come back. They got good depth there, some good players that have been left out of the side. So, now they'd be feeling pretty good about themselves. I would have thought. Tonight's game at Marvel Essendon and the Bulldogs, which has so much riding on it, it's sold out apart from standing room, so you'll need to get there early to grab one of those spaces. Uh, who do you think, the Dogs or the Dons, with so many out the Dons? Yeah, I, I actually thought that um, the Bulldogs played all right last week. They, they got knocked over in the end, but I thought they were, for most of the time, a pretty good unit. So against a depleted Essendon, um, no surprise to hear me tipping against <laughs> <laughs> the Dirty Rotten Bombers. <laughs> but they have been magnificent in the last four, five, six weeks, Essendon. But they might just be running out of soldiers. Kane? Yeah, probably similar to me. Bulldog's got a couple out as well. Um, Libba mm. and, and Caleb Daniels, some some structurally, some big outs for them. But six is six, is six too many, probably. And that they've, they've won and they've been on the right side, the Bombers. But last week was a bit alarming for me. The ruck situation is is the point where hmm, some concerns there. and um, So, yeah, I, I think the dogs will be good enough. So if you are heading to these games this weekend, grab the AFL record. Still just $5 thanks to Karcher, the official 2019 partner of the AFL record. There's a great setup going through the best of the decade in there. Everything from stories to teams to games. So you can while away the time waiting for the opening siren, uh, reminiscing over what you've seen at the footy over the past decades. Derm Kane, thanks. Enjoy your afternoon of footy. You too, Jared. See you, Derm. And the same to all of you. So that's crunch time for Honda and for Subway in round 21. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.